Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. The church has not been getting the job done that we needed to do. The church has, had, has, has been very self-consumed, and we've been more concerned about what we like and dislike than we have about reaching the world. And so, uh, you know, we, I want us to change our mentality. We've actually been on this quest for about nine years now of, of changing our mind about some things, changing our mentality about some things. I hear people say, well, it's time to repent. Well, that's what repent means, to change your mind. Praise God. Now, repent doesn't mean to change your behavior. It means to change your mind. Now, if you change your mind, you probably are going to change your behavior. So the, the behavior thing will take care of itself. But we need to change our thinking. And I have found over the years that it is much easier to change a person's behavior than to change their thinking. And because we get it so ingrained into just who we are, it becomes such a part of us, you know, that, that, that uh, uh, well, this, this is just the way that we think. But, you know, I was thinking, I said, we, you know, we haven't done what we needed to do to come out of the other side of this thing. And I was thinking about that in relation to our, our title today, uh, uh, A Road Trip. And that, you know, have you ever been, you know, you, you're getting ready to leave, you're getting ready to go somewhere, and you have, who, who has a member of their family that, you know, you're getting ready to go somewhere, and you say, well, let's go. Oh, I haven't got my shoes on. Anybody have that person in your house? <laughs> you know, I've I got to get my shoes on. I, I need to go to the bathroom before we go. <laughs> and so, you know, there's always that one person. they got one more thing they got to do. You know, and, and I think that sometimes uh, the church is needing to get their shoes on. You know, the Bible says that we are to be put on the whole armor of God, and it starts off having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Sometimes we don't have our shoes on. Our feet are not shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And, you know, and, and we're not really prepared to go and do what God has is wanting us to do, and he's wanting us to change in this time. 
And he's wanting us, and I say this to you today, that God is wanting us to come out of this thing not nearly so self-consumed that we were going in. You see, because there is something much bigger than you and I. You know, there, there is something much bigger than, than me and what I want and what I like and the way I like things and the way I want things done and the way that, you know, there's something much bigger. And we have developed traditions that they're not rooted in Scripture. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they violate Scripture, but I'm saying things that, that the Bible doesn't say do it this way. To just illustrate what I'm saying, you know, um, a few years ago, I taught a, a, a class of Bible school students in, uh, in the Philippines, and they were getting ready to um, you know, most of them were preparing to go into the ministry. And so we sat down and we talked. We had a whiteboard, and I'm writing on the whiteboard. Uh, we're making a list, and I, I asked them, I said, okay, what are some of the hindrances to why people don't come to church? And I said, give me, you know, tell me what you're hearing. Not, not what you think necessarily, but what are you hearing from people that are outside. What are you hearing for why they don't come to church? Okay, so we, we start making this list, you know, and, and, um, and one of the things on the list that they, they talked about was, you know, it's too far, and so we talked about how the, that we might be able to resolve that issue, solve that problem, and uh, then some of them said, you know, that it was, uh, um, one of the things they said was it takes, it, it lasts too long. And so I said, okay, uh, we, we begin to take all of these things and we begin to break them down and say, okay, what can we do about these things? And, uh, you know, I came up in ministry at a time, and, and, and if you've been around here very long, you know I can preach a long, long time. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, and I can enjoy every word of it. I can enjoy every bit of every breath, every pause, the you know the, the whole thing. I can enjoy that, but I also know that we have a culture in our world today that that we need to be mindful of. If you know the the circles I grew up in, if you couldn't preach for an hour, you weren't anointed. And so I just grew up, you got to preach for an hour, except the guy I learned that from would never let me preach for an hour. He always told me it had to be 45 minutes. But then when I became the senior pastor, you know, and I'm the guy in charge, and now I can preach an hour if I want to. But, you know, that, that's, uh, that, that's really, you know, um, where in the Bible... You know, does it say you have to preach an hour? I know one place where the Apostle Paul preached all night. 
And there was a guy sitting in a window that went to sleep and fell out of the window and died. Paul went down and raised him from the dead. And then he went right back to preaching. He preached the rest of the night. So, you know, I don't find anywhere in the Bible that it tells me I've got to preach all night. I, but, and I don't find anywhere in the Bible that it tells me I have to preach for an hour. And the thing I begin to realize is, you know, and honestly, I really am trying to do better. Okay? I, I am trying to, you know, I'm working hard to try to, to adjust my thinking about this. But, um, you know, when, uh, if you preach for an hour, but 45 minutes into your sermon, 95% of the people have checked out. What good was that last 15 minutes? So why not cut it off at 45 minutes? Or, it, you know, or whatever the, those, those time frames may be. Uh, so I began to talk to these students about this. I said, you know, would it be okay scripturally? Would there be a biblical problem with shortening the sermon a little bit. Nobody could give me a, a, a biblical reason. Why not? I said, okay, how many songs does your worship team usually do? They'd say four, five, six songs, you know. I said, is there anywhere in the Bible that it says you've got to do four or five or six songs? Is, would it be okay if... I mean, would you be on good scriptural grounds if you cut that to three songs? You know, I, I believe that, that uh, we could do that and still be on solid scriptural grounds. Because once again, if we're not reaching people, then what's the point? Why are we doing this if, if we're not reaching people? Okay, so let me just share with you something. Jesus went on his own road trip one day. We find the story of Jesus' road trip in John chapter 4. Again with verse number 1, he says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now, as I studied on the, the background of why this statement was made, I, be, I began to see this, that John the Baptist, he's talking about John the Baptist, and says that they, they heard that they were saying that Jesus made more disciples and baptized more, more disciples than John the Baptist did. Well, they had thrown John into prison at this time. And so now they, you know, they think they've got rid of John the Baptist, and then along comes Jesus, and he made more disciples and baptized more disciples than, than John did. So, you know, if they were upset with John, then they're really upset with Jesus. And, uh, you know, but I even though it says that Jesus didn't actually baptize any, anybody himself. But then he goes on in verse number 4. It says, 
uh, or verse 3, so he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And another thought that came to my mind as I talked about that, that, that Jesus baptized, made more disciples and baptized more disciples. Have you, have, have you known these people that they automatically despise megachurches? They don't know why. They're a megachurch, so we, we're not supposed to like them. We're supposed to be against them. We're supposed to. Why can't, why can't we be happy that somebody else is growing? Why can't we rejoice with them? Why can't we see that as a positive thing for the kingdom of God? See, it's getting our mentality so it's not all about me and mine. It's about the expansion of the kingdom of God. Praise God. But that's, that's a little side deal there. But verse number 4 says, you know, Jesus left and departed again to Galilee. Verse 4, but he needed to go through Samaria. Notice, it doesn't say he went through Samaria. It says he needed to go through Samaria. Why did Jesus need to go through Samaria? Now, this is not the customary way that, that the Jews would travel. In fact, they, they were... Um, so, um, you know, they despised the Samaritans to such a degree that they would go the long way to go around Samaria rather than, rather than pass through Samaria. Jesus needed to go to Samaria. The reason Jesus needed to go to Samaria is because he had an appointment there. That's why he needed to go there. And then it says that... Uh, so he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. Now, this word Sychar is the name of the city, uh, but the name of the, this this name Sychar means drunken. Now, I know that there was a well there. It was Jacob's well, and that Jacob himself drank from that well. You know, and, and you could make the connection there. But if you're drinking water from a well, you're not drunken. All right? You're drinking from the well, but you don't get drunk from drinking from the well. So this city had something that went beyond that, and there was a reputation, obviously, of why this city, the, the name of the city is drunken. You know, what, what if they call us, that drunken city down there in southeast New Mexico on the Pecos. You know, the reason they would say that was because we had earned a reputation. And so uh, there was a, a reputation here about this city, but Jesus needed to go there. You know, and I'm, I'm reminded that, uh, uh, you know, some people say, well, Jesus... Jesus wouldn't go in a bar. But I heard uh, there was a story several years ago um, about a, a, a what well, was in uh, the city of, of uh, Oklahoma City. And there was tornadoes coming through the area at that time. And um, as the tornadoes were coming through the city, some of the staff members of a particular church were out on the street, and they started looking for cover when the 
tornado sirens started going off. And so they ran into a basement bar. And as they're in the basement bar that day, they lead 16 people to Jesus in the bar. So I always say, well, Jesus went to the bar that day. Maybe he wouldn't normally go in there. I don't know, but he, he went that day. He, here he went to a, a city that is called Drunken. And here he meets a woman, and this woman it says, now Jacob's well is there. Jesus, uh, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus at the, by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, round noon, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, she came around noon, that's the hot part of the day, that she came to draw water. And most Bible scholars, most commentaries you look at, uh, tend to agree that probably, you know, the, the reason she was there about the, uh, around noon in the hot part of the day was most of the women would come early in the morning when it was cool and draw water. But this woman didn't have the greatest reputation. You'll find out why in just a moment. She didn't have the greatest reputation. And so, therefore, uh, you know, she possibly was there to avoid the other women. And, uh, you know, was, was there at that time because she knew that they would already be gone because she felt out of place there. Now, how many people, they avoid coming to church because they feel out of place? We've been talking about that. You know, they, they, they don't want to come to church because they don't feel like they belong in church. Now, has, it, has anybody ever, you know, You've heard someone say this, talk about someone says they go to church and someone else says, you go to church? Now, they weren't talking about you. I know that, but, you know, I know but there, you know, you had another coworker that said something about going to church and they said, you go to church? Like, you're a sinner. You're not supposed to go to church. Where did they ever get that idea? Well, I'll tell you where they got that idea. They got it from us. Where did they ever get the idea that a sinner wasn't supposed to go to church? They got it from us. Yet we wonder why sinners aren't coming to church. Because we have given them the idea that sinners weren't supposed to come to church. Now, that should be a clue, and we talked last week about obstacles, that, that sometimes there are obstacles in the way of people coming to Jesus, and those obstacles should never be an obstacle for us. Sometimes they're an obstacle for the person that needs to come or the person that doesn't come. And we need to look and see what are these obstacles. Why are they not coming 
to church? Is it something we're saying? Is it something we're doing? Are the things that we could do different? Could we adjust something? Could we change something? Could we, could, can we remove that obstacle from them? The church for too long has been saying, well, this is the way we are, you know, we're worshiping God and we don't apologize to anybody and we're just, you know, you can come and you can like it and, and, you know, or if you don't like it, then you don't have to come. What a sorry attitude for people of God to have, but yet it's prevalent in the church. And so we're looking at the, let, we're wanting to remove the obstacles that exist. Now, let's go back and let's talk about, all right, service lasts too long. We've identified an obstacle. Is it an obstacle for them or is it an obstacle for us? Well, it shouldn't be an obstacle for us. It's an obstacle for them. So if I remove that obstacle, am I getting unsound biblically? We said there's no instruction in Scripture that tells me how long I need to preach. So there's no instructions in Scripture that tells me how many songs we need to sing. There's no instructions in Scripture that say you've got to have 30 minutes for announcements. You know, there, there's, there's no instructions about the, the time. So is it an obstacle for them or an obstacle for me? Well, it might be an obstacle for me because I refuse to change. But it's obviously an obstacle for them. If it's an obstacle for me, you know what? I need to get over it. But here's what we tell people. Well, you need to get over it. No, I need to get over it. Everybody say this with me. Say, I just need to get over it. All right. If we'll get over it, then maybe they can get over it. Or maybe there won't be the obstacle. Maybe we'll remove the obstacle. Praise God. Now, I'm, I'm laying out some things, and I'm doing this right now. The reason that I'm doing it as we're, we're still dealing with this pandemic thing, the reason I'm doing this right now and, and, and preaching like this right now is because I want us to be ready when we come out the other side. Of, we are coming out. Okay, two people believe we're coming out. Okay. We are coming out the other side of COVID. Praise God. And we're going to come out better. We're going to come out more prepared. We're going to, we're going to come out with our shoes on. Because we're ready to go somewhere. God's got somewhere for us to go. And we've got to be ready to go when, when it's time, you know, if we say we're leaving at 7, at 7 we need to be ready to go. We're coming out. Well, let's be ready when we come out. 
Praise God. Let's be ready to do some things. Let's, let's remove the obstacles that are in the way of people coming. All right, and that, you know, the time deal, that was just, that's just one thing. But there, there are other obstacles, you know. But let's go on. Let's see what the obstacle was for this woman. This woman, there was an obstacle, obviously, of, uh, uh, of her reputation. It was an obstacle for her. It wasn't an obstacle for Jesus. Jesus didn't have a problem with it. It wasn't a problem for Jesus. But let's, let's go on and look at the... Uh, Verse 8, for his disciples had, uh, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a, a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Now, that was not a problem for Jesus. However, this woman thought it might be a problem for him. Do, do you know sometimes that, that we maybe don't have a problem with something, but some people think we have a problem? How, how many people have you heard say, well, I don't have proper clothes to come to church. No, I mean, we, we can think of a jillion things, and we're not going to start a list today. But, you know, that, that's just one that you hear a lot. Well, I don't have proper clothes to come to church. That's not a problem for us, but people think it is. They think it might be. Now, if they would actually take a look and see, they realize that that's probably not a problem for us. But, you know, this woman thought, I'm a Samaritan woman. This is a Jewish man, so there's got to be a problem here. But it wasn't a problem for Jesus. You know, Jesus had no problem with that. We don't have any problem with people that don't have proper clothing to come to church. Just come on to church. Wear what you got. But you see, sometimes we have to fight against the culture and what culture has created. It's culture that created that deal. It's culture that said you have to wear a suit and tie to church. Culture said that. And so we have to sometimes deliberately break down the culture in order to remove some obstacles for people. Now, you may say, well, that don't sound very spiritual. Well, we're not talking about spiritual people. We're talking about people that don't have any consciousness of of the things of God. They don't have any consciousness of, uh, of, uh, you know, what church is all about, and, you know, and they have a, a preconceived idea in their mind of what church is and what church is all about. And part of their mentality about what church is all about is because we created that mentality. And so we need to destroy that mentality. Praise God. 
Praise God. Well, let people know, hey, it's okay if you don't have proper clothes to come to church. I don't care if you've got a three-piece suit or not. If you want to wear a three-piece suit, wear it. If you don't want to wear it, don't wear it. You know, it's, we've, I, I'm, I'm saying that, that we must remove the obstacles, but we have to identify what those obstacles are before we can address them, before we can remove them. Praise God. You see, one thing I know for sure, Jesus wants the whole world. Jesus will never be satisfied as long as there is one person that is without Christ. And I should never be satisfied either as long as there's one person without Christ. Praise God. How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Well, Christians don't like people like me. Hmm. Maybe some Christians don't. These Christians do. Right? Can, can, can we all, can we get a unanimous amen on something this morning? All right. Yeah, yeah. Let's try that one more time because that sounded really good. You know, some Christians may not like people like them, but these Christians do. Amen. Praise God. You see, Jesus wasn't the normal Jewish man. You see, Jesus didn't have any problem talking to a woman of Samaria. In fact, he needed to go through Samaria for precisely that purpose. Praise God. She said the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his livestock, sons and livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of the water, of this water, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. Then, you know, Jesus goes on. He says, uh, she says, give me this water, um, you know, that I don't have to come here and draw out of this well again. And, uh, you know, and Jesus says, tells her, he says, um, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, that's right. You've had five husbands. And the man that you have now is not your husband. And so Jesus is showing her, I know things about you, but that doesn't matter to me. 
He said, I, I know what's been going on in your life, but it doesn't matter to me. You see, Jesus wasn't your normal Jewish man. He knew things, but didn't. Now, why did Jesus tell her to go call her husband? You know, she's, she's wanting to ask him questions. She's wanting to dig more in. I, I don't have time to read all of this this morning. But Jesus doesn't, you know, he's, he's not, uh, um, you know, she's wanting to know. And he says, go call your husband. And I, I wonder, so why did he tell her to go call her husband? You see, it was customary in that time. How many of you remember the Apostle Paul saying something to the Corinthians about women keeping silent in the church? And uh, if you want to learn anything, ask your husband at home. Anybody remember G uh, the Apostle Paul saying something like that? He was addressing an issue. It was customary in that day that, it, that a man could not just walk up to a woman and begin to have a conversation with her if she's a married woman. He, he can't just go up and begin to uh, uh, talk to her. He needs to get her husband's permission to talk to her. So he said, you know, go call your husband, bring your husband back, and then we'll talk about this. He was just following the, the customs of the day, and that's what they did. He wasn't being rude to her. He was saying, it is not customary. You know, you said, why are you talking to me? Well, go call your husband, bring your husband back, and then we'll begin to talk about these things. Well, she said, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you've, you've rightly said, you've had five husbands. The one you're with now, he's not your husband. And so this woman says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You think, you know, that he knew that? Do you think that maybe there was some gift of the Holy Spirit that was at work, you know, that was revealing and showing Jesus things? And so this woman goes, you know, and, and she tells not just her husband, which she didn't have, but she goes and tells all the men of the city. And they all come to hear Jesus. But you see, Jesus had to break through some of those customs and some of those, um, some of those things that, that well, it's, it's not acceptable for a Jewish man to be talking to a Samaritan woman. You know, it's not, uh, it's not normal. It's not something that normally happens. Jesus is saying... I don't really care about that. Just go call your husband, and, and, we'll, and, and we'll talk. We'll finish this conversation. And um, so in any case, they came, and they listened to what Jesus had to say. But you see, Jesus, at nowhere in this did he ever condemn when he said, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're with now, he's not your husband, he wasn't condemning her. When Jesus said that, he was letting her know, I know 
what's going on with you, and I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. It didn't mean that I, I don't care. But, I mean, I don't know that's how I said it. It didn't sound right. But, uh, you know, Jesus wasn't saying that he didn't care. He said, it doesn't matter to me that you have had five husbands and you're living with a man now that's not your husband. That doesn't matter to me. Just, you know, he wanted to reach this woman. And this is probably the greatest example of evangelism in the, in the whole Bible. Jesus is showing us how to do it. He's showing us how to reach people. People that may have problems in their lives, people that may have, have, have challenges in their lives, people that may be best up. I've asked this question. I said, you, you know, uh, I, I've put this out on, on Facebook, and I said, so um, do you have messed up people in your church? If not, why not? You see, we ought to have messed up people in our church. And if you know some messed up people, bring them because this is where they need to be. Praise God. You know, anybody know somebody's messed up? Anybody say, I look at him in the mirror every day? <laughs> we, we know some people that are messed up. But you see, this is not an exclusive club for all the people that have it all together. This is a place for messed up people to come get their mess cleaned up. Not get their mess cleaned up and then, then they can come. No, you come and Jesus will begin to help you clean up the mess. And that's what we have to understand. Jesus wants to help us all to change. He even wants to help people with a religious spirit to change. I'm not just talking about people that do all kinds of stuff that we, that, that's on our sin list and they, you know, they, they live what we would call a life. I'm talking about anybody. We're all in need of Jesus to straighten out our mess. Now, First Corinthians chapter 14, and I asked you last week, read the 14th chapter of Corinthians. I'm not going to ask how many did, but I'm going to say it again. You need to read the first 14th chapter of First Corinthians, because all the way through the 14th chapter of First Corinthians, he talks about the way we do church. And he makes it clear that it's okay to adjust for those who may not know, for those who may not understand. Maybe they haven't been taught. Maybe they've been taught wrong. Maybe they've been, you know, maybe for, for whatever reason, that they don't understand what's going on. You know, that's one of the obstacles for why some people don't come to church. I don't, well, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. You know, Paul says, if one comes in that is unlearned, 
that is uninformed, that doesn't understand your way of doing things and how you're doing things. If someone comes in that's uninformed, you know, in fact, he's talking about speaking with tongues there. He says, if they don't speak the language, they're uninformed. You know what? If you speak with tongues, unless I have a, 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 a gift of interpretation of tongues operating, I'm uninformed. You know, somebody stands up right now and speaks in Spanish, I'm uninformed. If someone speaks a, 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 in another tongue, unless I have the interpretation to that tongue, I am uninformed. And you are uninformed. And yet people come into our church and there they, you know, some of the things that we do, they, here's some of the objections. It scared me. Do you think that was really God if it's scaring people? God has not given to us a spirit of fear. So is God scaring people? No. You know, in fact, in the Bible where people were afraid over and over and over again, it said, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. And so over and over again, we find, you know, don't, don't be scared. So is God scaring people? People are saying, well, I'm scared. Well, I, maybe I need to look at what I'm doing. We've done some things in church that we said were by the Spirit of God that scared the living daylights out of people. I didn't understand what they were doing. Maybe we need to be more purposeful about explaining what we're doing. It lasted too long. So, Pastor, I saw that one real quick. If you just shut up and go ahead and sit down, we'll get this one dealt with. Here's another one. We all need to help with this one. Well, they just weren't friendly. We should never, ever, ever let that be said. They weren't friendly. You know, I know it's easy to get comfortable with the people you know and the people you're comfortable with and just, you know. But it is more important that we are friendly to outsiders coming in than it is that we talk to each other. Praise God. So, we're going to be developing a plan of action. God's going to help us develop a plan of action. We're going to identify what these obstacles are, and we're going to remove the obstacles because God wants us to come out of COVID better than we were going in. Praise God. Um, you know, what do we we have to work with when we see an obstacle we're going to look okay how can we address this how can we we're not going to ignore and brush under the rug that's why we took the rug out but uh, you know 
So we can't just sweep things under the rug. We're gonna we're gonna look. We're not gonna sweep things under the rug and say, well, that's just the way it is. It's somebody else's fault. They're just being dumb. They're just you know. We're not gonna do those things anymore. Anymore. We're gonna look honestly at what the objections are, and if you hear an objection, let us know about it. Bring it to us. You know, we'll talk about that. We're going to figure out the solutions to the problem. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that there is no such thing as a problem with no solution. There are solutions to the problems. Praise God. And then we're going to embrace the plan, and we're going to work together on the plan. God's going to take us somewhere, but we've got to be ready to go. Praise God. We got to be ready to go. When we come out of COVID, we're hitting the ground full steam ahead. Praise God. You know, we're doing some things in advance. Like when you're going on a road trip, you go gas the car up the night before. You know, so you're ready to go. You know, you. Get your clothes out and lay your clothes out. You pack your suitcase. You don't wait till time to go. Praise God. We're not going to wait till COVID's over before we start preparing. Praise God. God doesn't want us to come out like we went in because we got a world that needs to be reached. We got 105 people in the next minute that are going into eternity. No more time for messing around. No more time for being self-consumed. What I do has to be about them. Praise God. Praise God. And I need your help. Praise God. Praise God. Well, Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're helping us to deal with these objections. You're helping us to deal with the obstacles and to get the obstacles out of the way. Reveal to us and show us where the obstacles are so that we can take care of them. Father, we'll do that in the name of Jesus. Now, if you're watching me today, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I don't know why you haven't. I don't know what the obstacle is there. But one thing I do know for sure is that God wants you to be a member of his family. And he believed in that so much that he sent his son Jesus to a cross to remove what was the greatest obstacle, the 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 barrier of sin that stood between God and man. Jesus came and he removed that obstacle so it's no longer an obstacle. He paid the penalty. There was a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus paid the penalty so that you could have new life. So that you could come in and be a member of his family. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to do that right now. 
you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, paid for all of your sins, rose again from the dead so that you could have new life, I want you to say this with me. If you pray this prayer and you mean it, you will be saved. Say this with me. God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, to pay the penalty for my sin, to remove that obstacle that stood between you and me. And I believe you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 